welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. I'm your host, Matt Anderson. Uh, tonight, I am joined by two fellow Climb in the Pocket members, Tanishka and Ryan. It's been a long time for Tanishka. Uh, we, we commented in the pregame or before the show started that uh, her camera is much improved since the last time uh, she was on here. So how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm very excited for tomorrow and Sunday. I know. It's the, the fact that there's football tomorrow night uh, for the first time in what feels like so long, just, just so long. Um, I couldn't be more ecstatic and, uh, I don't have plans for it. Do you have, you guys have plans for the game tomorrow night? Or are you just watching from your house? I, yeah, I keep getting invited to things, but I, I coach football till about seven o'clock and then, you know, got to figure it out from there. So I'm, I just, it's tough. So I think I'm just going to watch at home. Yeah. Tanishka, I'm just watching yourself? at my dorm as well. So. Okay. Maybe I'll just like order in some takeout and just really enjoy the moment and watch Tom Brady <laughs> take down uh, t- down Dallas tomorrow. Um, Ryan, how are you doing? Doing well. Uh, excited to be on tonight. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to to you know be on Vikings Happy Hour, talk a little football, especially the first one right before the or the last one, I should say, before the season starts. It should be a great time. Yeah, I mean, we've had tons and tons of news, I think, um, in the in just the last week. You know, we got the depth chart last week. Uh, we kind of heard a, the injury report today, which thankfully we can get into that. But like, thankfully, it looks pretty clear. Um, and then the big news that we get to react to today, um, Brian O'Neill, big contract extension. Uh, f- was it five years, $95 million? Uh 40 was it 49 million guaranteed there's so many numbers out there i can't keep track of them all just an absurd number uh for a right tackle that after all the years of rick spielman drafting offensive linemen he finally hit on a on a on one so tanishka what are your what are your takeaways from the brian o'neill contract extension when i initially saw the 90 90- 2.5 I think I was kind of like I thought it was a lot right away just looking at it um I think that's the second highest paid right tackle in football now um but I do think it's important to lock him in long term because he is like the centerpiece of our offensive line and um I think that with the salary cap rising and possibly Cousins not on the books after next year or even like after this year, um, it shouldn't be too big of an issue. Um, but I was definitely expecting less than he got. Yeah, but we've seen the right tackle market kind of take off here in the last few months. Um, the Panthers right tackle, I think, got paid. Um, I know I'm forgetting a couple others that kind of set the market and, you know, Kudos to Brian O'Neill and his agent for for kind of holding out and, and demanding a little bit more, um, and it looks like it's going to pay off. And yeah, to your point, uh, if Kirk Cousins is off the book, you know what we can, we kind of eat that that dollar amount a little bit easier. Ryan, what about you? What do you think about Brian O'Neill 
uh, in this this massive contract extension. Yeah, I mean, it's really big. I, I was a little bigger than I thought it was going to be as well as, as Tanishka had said. Um, however, um, you know, I, I don't think it starts until next year. So it's really like a six-year, $95 million contract, uh, which, you know, lessens that $18 million hit down to, I think, about fifteen. So uh, again, you know, not a huge difference there, but I, I think that when you look at it from that perspective, um, I think it, it it's a little easier to swallow. Uh, do I think he's a top two right tackle in the league? Absolutely not. Uh, but that's just how you know paying football players goes. You you know you quote unquote overpay, and then all of a sudden in two three years he's going to look like a bargain. So um, I think he's really good. I'm excited to have him. I'm excited the fact that we aren't paying another offensive lineman big bucks right now. Uh, we have a nice young offensive line. So to to pay one of them and have the other four in you know team control for a couple years relatively cheap. Um, I think that's that's a big win, and we need we need quality linemen. So. Very excited he's here uh, Very uh, for the long term. I think Dave said in the comments here until 2026. So, I mean, you know, that's a long time from now. So excited for him to be here uh, and, and set that attitude. I've been a big fan of his for, you know, I think since the second year he was here. He just went nuts one night. Uh, one, I think it was for the – after the Saints playoff win. Like it was, you know, I think Kirk Cousins said something cheesy like he normally does. And and Brian O'Neill just went nuts, and I was like, "Okay, this guy's a monster. I love it." Yeah, good energetic guy in the locker room. He's still young, so to have him through twenty twenty six is is pivotal for the future of this franchise, especially when you think about, um, you know, what the future might look like. Right, we're going to probably have a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback, whether that's Kellen Mond or we draft somebody in the next couple of years to take over that and when you look at the whole offensive line i saw someone tweeted out today i mean you're looking at darisaw 21 uh ezra cleveland 22 i the book is still out on garrett bradbury but you know he might he might stick around for a second contract here but then you got ole udo and wyatt davis uh showing some real competition at the right guard spot if even half of these guys pan out um, we could be looking at a a good offensive line here in Minnesota for the first time in a long, long time. Absolutely. Um, keeping that, you know, kind of theme of the offensive line, um, we can kind of transition this over to, to what we saw last week with the depth chart release um, for the first game. Uh, any surprises? I, I know that Oliudo is getting his first nod at right guard. Ezra's switching over to left guard. So, um, and it looks like Rashad Hill will kind of man that left tackle spot. But on the offensive side of the ball, we'll stick to that side first. Tanishka, are there any like surprises or takeaways that you had offensively um, from the depth chart release? I don't think there's a lot of like surprises, other than like I guess um, it might have been because uh, Dee Westbrook. What hasn't really gotten to practice much until the last few weeks. I know he's going to full practice today, which was great. But um, he was under Smith Marset on the depth chart. So that was a bit interesting. But I think that, like, after, like, Jefferson and Thielen, like, Osborne, Smith Marset, and Westbrook are all kind of, like, in the same tier, like, a whole step below the first two. So I guess it's not, like, it doesn't matter a whole lot. Um, but... 
offensively, I don't think there were a lot of surprises because we knew what was sort of going to happen. Um, I, yeah. And like, obviously Herndon until he like learns the playbook, I didn't expect him to be number one if he ever does. Yeah. I mean, I know they trust Conklin quite a bit, even though I think was it, was the, there's like some concerns with his hamstring, uh, currently, so maybe that opens the door for him to have a little bit bigger role. And considering that we gave the fourth round draft pick for, for him, you know, I'd kind of want his role to be a little bit more expanded if uh, if we can get there. Ryan, your guy Dee Westbrook is a little bit buried on that depth chart. Um, any concerns from yeah. you? Yeah, I'm allowing no, you to talk really. about I mean, former OU players. The door yeah, is open. Yeah. Well, Go for it. let me let me first by saying R.I.P. to to Drew Samia, uh, official today that he was uh, injury waived today, so the dream is dead with him. Uh, I thought maybe he'd stick around on the practice squad. Uh, well, I, obviously, I think he was. I was hoping he would just stick there um, until next year and hopefully get one last chance to at least just make a depth spot. But nope, uh, injury waived. So R.I.P. there. Uh, so Didi is, I think, our only Oklahoma player that's left. Um, and, yeah, he is buried on the depth chart. He also hasn't played in any real live snaps um, really since um, since last year. So, you know, no preseason games that he, he took part in and uh, really only about two weeks of practice, of live practice. So I didn't expect him to them to just give him that spot um, without really showing anything. So my guess is that, yeah, as Tanishka said, that that uh, wide receiver three spot is just going to be interchangeable. What are you going to need on that specific play? Do we need to go four wide at some point? Who's going to step in? What's going to be needed in that specific situation? Until Didi uh, gets some live game reps, um, I think he will end up taking that punt return job as well as probably wide receiver three um, just because, again, he, he's shown in this league that he can create separation and and he has that speed that we can take advantage of. But until he gets the live reps, you know, we're not going to see it yet. So. Um, quick shout out to Joe. Uh, he, he gave me a shout out in the comments. So I got a shout out, a shout out back, you know, that, that two lane game kind of gave me some worry. I was on, I was on the golf course, um, golfing Hazel team. And, uh, I was following a little bit on my phone and I was a little nervous that my boys were going to choke the first game of the year, but you know, we, we, we persevered. So, um, boomer sooner. (laughs) Um, yeah, and yes, by the way, uh, rest in peace, Drew Samia's legacy here as a Minnesota Viking. What was your favorite Drew Samia moment? Do you have one? I saw a fan cam of Drew Samia on Twitter. That was probably my favorite moment because everything with him on the field was just no. Um, I think my favorite moment was just pure entertainment of watching DeForest Buckner literally just push him out of the way. And like, I, I don't want to ever, I don't ever want to like cheer on something that bad happened for the Vikings. And, uh, but that was pretty funny. Uh, it was literally, I was so excited. I remember being um, at a bar up in Duluth uh, with my wife. We were camping that weekend. We drove into town just to watch the game. And uh, I was like, so excited. He is first start. And I was like, this is my guy right here. He's going to do great. And then literally that was like the second or third snap just destroyed. And I just was like, I'm sorry. This is awful. And it was an awful game. I was like, we should have just stayed out camping. So, Yeah, that was a a pretty abysmal game. But we, you know what? 
we laughed through that pain. So, and now, now it's a fresh start. It's a fresh slate, and hopefully, our defensive line uh, can do that to some of the interior guards this upcoming season. So, back to the depth chart. Switching over to the defensive side of the ball. Again, probably not many surprises, um, but a couple that I want to get your guys' thoughts on. Uh, Tanishka, we'll start with you, and I'll let you. I'll let you choose which path you want to go down, but. The two things I was going to talk about were DJ Wonham getting the start opposite Daniil Hunter. Um, whether that's rotationally or not, we'll come to find out. But And then the other one who I don't know if – can I call you a Cam Dantzler stan? Is that fair? I feel like you're you're more of a, a Justin I've Jefferson stan. I've been hyping stan. him up. I, yeah, Justin's my guy, but I've been hyping up Dantzler all offseason and then this happens. Uh, so. so for the sake of the show, we're going to call you a Cam Dantzler stan. Um, sure. And he's cornerback six. So you choose the path you want to go down here. <laughs> I don't think he's the sixth worst corner on this team. Like, I just don't think he's worse than Chris Boyd or Harrison Hand. Like, maybe it's closer to Boyd, but Harrison Hand, like, no. Um, I feel like – I. <laughs> From what I saw, obviously didn't see everything, but the videos and stuff that I saw um, from training camp, it didn't seem like he was having a terrible camp. So um, it's a little bit confusing. I know his preseason was pretty bad, um, but I don't think it was so bad that he has to be under Harrison Hand on the depth chart. Like I just don't see how that adds up. I feel like it's more of like Zimmer and like the coaching staff kind of dogging him than him being that bad. And I feel like um Zim likes his like corner rotations, so he'll still get some playing time. Um and hopefully he can pick up where he left off last year because after that neck injury concussion at Lambeau he was he was really good. So um I, I feel like this depth chart, you kind of got to take it with a grain of salt. Like, it's still fluid. Um, and after we see them play um, next this Sunday and just, like, next week or whatever, it, it'll change, at least internally, even if they don't um, publish them every week. So I, I still don't see how he's the sixth worst corner on this team. Uh, but, well, well it'd be it's really important that he, like, pick up where he left off last year, even close to it. Because I hope that it wasn't the 15 pounds he gained that like made him struggle this year. Because that would be really unfortunate. Not even like close in the realm of like what you have to do for your position. But I do remember back when um, Prefer was here um, as our special teams coach, and he said that Blair Walsh put on some weight uh, one off season, and it completely changed his whole you know, process of kicking field goals or whatnot. So you bring up a good point there. Maybe the, the addition of 15 pounds of muscle uh, made him a little slower. Uh, you have to sacrifice something a little bit to, you know, to put that weight on. So whether that's agility um, or if there's just something going on mentally that, that he just can't quite overcome um, in year two. But I do agree with you. I think that Zim is, is using this as that old school mentality, like you're in the doghouse and I'll let you out when, when I want to, um, knowing well that Dantzler does have the capability to, uh, to show out in a given week if we need him. Um, Ryan, any, any other, uh, 
thoughts on on Dantzler, or do you want to talk about one of them? Yeah, I, I can I can do both. I guess uh, quick on Dantzler. When when we signed Breland, I called that out. I think on this show way back when that you know I thought I, again I didn't think he was going to be you know CB six, but CB four for sure. Just given the fact that CB three is Mackenzie Alexander in in the slot, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's a weird fall from grace again, probably looking at more of the, yeah, like you guys said, probably trying to send a message and motivate him. Uh, but at the same time, Chris Boyd did have a hell of a preseason. I mean, he, he locked down Jerry Judy in their first offense, right? Like he, um, there's multiple plays where he broke it up in the end zone. Um, and, and he held his own. So I, I don't want to take away, you know, obviously Harrison hand, I'm not sure he didn't look good in the preseason games either. Um, dancer did look bad and every highlight we did see a training camp of Jefferson and, and Thielen making big time catches. It was on Dantzler. So, you know, we, we have that to, I guess, kind of look at, but those are some of the best receivers in the league. But at the same time, if you're going to be CB2, you're going up against some really talented guys, right? So, um, you know, I, I'm not sure what caused this, but he, he did have maybe it's just the yips or whatever, um, and hopefully he can find himself. Um, as for Wanham, I, I think that was a really um, – I think there's a smart play, honestly. You know what you have in Weatherly. You know he's going to be a rotational guy, um, and he plays a rotational role well. That's what actually got him paid last year uh, with the Panthers is because he produced well in that kind of – um, that, that rotational role. Wanham though, you know, you might as well see what you have in him. I, I don't think that Weatherly's marginally better than him. Uh, Everson Griffin, I think is going to be used as more of a pass rush specialist. So put in Wanham, see what we got in him, see if we can continue that development, see if he can hang with the big boys. Cause he flashed last year. He played quite poorly, I think, uh, from a grade standpoint. But he flashed last year. I mean, he had the Rodgers strip sack. He had the uh, a couple other – I think he had two or three sacks total last year. So um, he, he's he's a big guy, a uh, lanky guy, um, needs to get better in the run defense. So I'm excited to see his progression there uh, from last year to this year. Um, but I think you might as well take a chance on him. And, and if they're marginally close, like between him and Weatherly, it makes sense to go with a young guy and see if he can, you know, get take that next step rather than um, having him only play a few snaps a game, right? Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I like the move. I was really excited about that. You couldn't ask for better, like, people on the defensive line to help somebody like, like DJ Wanham. Like when you think about the depth we have next to him on that defensive line, plus you could potentially have Barr and uh, and Kendricks pushing those those a gaps. Um, he, he could be due for a breakout season. I know today on Twitter I, I I talked about Ezra Cleveland taking the leap, but maybe defensively, it's one of them, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I could see it because uh, Andre Patterson. Um, it was either today or yesterday, like in his press conference this week, he was talking about how um, Wanham showed more playmaking ability than any other defensive end, obviously other than Hunter. Um, and so with the, yeah, like, like you guys said, with the interior that we have and um, Hunter being Hunter, Wanham would definitely have easier matchups. So um, it would be good for him and this defense. Yeah, it'll be strange to. I, I don't want to. I don't want to jinx us, but it would be strange to actually see uh, a pass rush again. It was so abysmal last year that, that I, I'm just excited to see any inkling of pressure 
towards a quarterback. And so hopefully we get that starting this week uh, against the Bengals. Um, I know I saw it in the comments here. Zim touched on it again today in his presser. Um, It's can they avoid major injuries essentially because the depth behind uh, their, their starters is, is concerning. Um, I think Ali in the, in the comments here says this team can go 12 on five. Can they avoid major injuries though? And I think, I think that's a, a pretty big concern. I know both of you have been pretty vocal about that. So um, just want to get your thoughts on, on Zimmer's press today. Um, and then we can, we can look forward to uh, the Bengals and Vikings matchup. So either one of you can take this one. Yeah. I thought Zimmer's press was like they usually are. There's pretty much at least a funny part of it. At least um, I, when he was talking about the top heavy, um, team and the finances um it was pretty much at least to me um a shot at cousins and spielman and um (laughs) he says that a few hours before the contract um (laughs) i'm sure he knew right like he had to have known yeah um so I think Zimmer, he's right, and a lot of people have been saying it on um, a Vikings Twitter for a few weeks now um, that we're pretty top-heavy. And, like, with injuries, it just it happens. You can't predict it for any team. Um, but if they do avoid injuries, um, it could be a decent year. I just think that you can't expect that. And, like, um, it's been a problem recently, I think, with the drafting. Um, I don't know if it's not why it's not talked about as much, but I do think the drafting, other than a couple picks, um, it's been pretty suspect, especially in the later rounds. Like, sure, it's a crapshoot, especially in the later rounds, but um, the hit rate's been, like, nothing in the last few drafts. Like, yeah. literally nothing. Um, and, like, basically the closest guy they had to anything on like day three of like the last two or three drafts was Jalen Holmes, I guess. And he's gone now too. So um, I guess that those are the guys that are supposed to be your depth, but they haven't been able to draft well or develop those guys. So that's an issue as well. Um, And of course they can't really afford depth either with what they pay, not only cousins, but also just a bunch of other guys. I'm sure I know they have a good amount of guys making more than 10 million um, so it adds up pretty quickly. So, yeah, I think depth, it's probably going to be an issue at some point this season. Um, and if per se Dantzler doesn't go back to the kind of player he was at the end of last year, um, or you could even do this for any other position. If, if Barr doesn't end up playing on Sunday and he like misses a couple more games or whatever, then you have guys like Troy Dye or, Chaz Surratt or maybe even like Ryan Connolly in there and that's when it gets like iffy it's just like everything becomes suspect at that point and I guess you could say this for a lot of teams but um it's still a concern especially with yeah, the drafting a- drafting's been bad yeah I have a yeah. I have a bad feeling that later on this this season we potentially could be yelling at Rick Spielman uh for his it, and maybe even just the coaching staff. Um, we don't have to get into it today because it's the the start of the season. But that lack of development of some of those late round uh, draft picks that we had hit on in the past that we didn't really hit on recently. Um, 
Uh, and just quick on that too. I mean, there's been some comments here, uh, like Ray, I think Raymond Fry, he had mentioned that if, and you, the depth is an issue for all teams. I, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, uh, th- there are some teams that are, um, that are very deep that, you know, if you do lose out on an Anthony Barr, they have the next man up that is competent because their coaching staff does develop their players well. A uh, team I can think of right now off the top of my head is like the Ravens. The Ravens seem that to churn the next guy up, next man up, and they are still consistently strong. Uh, where if you look at us last year, we, you know, we, we lost Hunter. We lost, um, obviously, we traded Ngakwe at that time. And our defense, and then, our, you know, our defense, Pierce was out. So our defense alignment was just awful, right? Um, same with cornerback. We uh, just had nobody at corner, right? And, and that's the issue is uh, we have this kind of false sense of hope right now, in my opinion, for the future of the franchise, because we have a team that looks on paper that looks pretty strong. Uh, you know, like you said, we have Patrick Peterson, we have Dalvin Tomlinson and and, and um, Hunter's coming back. But, you know, we have a lot of guys that win your deals, too. Um, I mean, what's our cornerback room look like after this year? We have Dantzler, who's cornerback six. Um, I don't think Chris Boyd is on the team next year because um, I think he was an undrafted free agent or maybe a seventh rounder. So I can't remember. But, you know, we don't have like anyone on on, on staff here at a cornerback. So, what are we going to do to um, continue to develop the guys that we have that aren't on one-year deals? And that's the issue, I think. And we got lucky this year because of COVID and the the, the decrease in this um, in the um, salary cap. It's a, like a negative because you don't have as much money to spend, but you also were able to get a bunch of guys on cheap deals because not too many people had money to spend. And luckily, we were one that had. Right. We were able. You know, we have Brzezinski who really helps. Um, create space and gets creative that way. So when that goes back to normal, I mean, of course the salary cap is going to jump way up. So hopefully we'll have some ability to sign some free agents, but you know, we're, I think we're going to be in trouble if we can't start developing these guys. And so I think that's partly on Spielman because of the fact that he needs to draft the right guys, but he's also drafting the guys that the coaching staff is telling him to draft. Um, So it's kind of a double-edged sword here that maybe Maybe the knife's getting dull on both ends of the sword, so to speak, and mm-hmm. and it's not just Spielman or not just Zim, but both. And maybe at that point, if it, if we get to that point, it's time for just a fresh start all together. I agree. And to Raymond's point in the comments where he said that we can resign people, like sure that's true. But I was I'm just thinking about next year where we have, um about 27 million in cap. I don't know if that's changed after O'Neill, but um, around 27 million in cap space with um, all of these one-year deals with guys, I think you have to replace around 12 to 14 um, spots, either whether that be starters or like second string or whatever with all the guys that we brought in this off season. And then there's like guys like Breland who purposely like took one-year deal because of COVID and just um, so he could get his value up. If he plays well, like he has in the preseason, I don't think he's going to resign here because we wouldn't be able to afford him. And that could be the case with Alexander or even Woods. Um, And that's where you sort of are in trouble. And I think that they did a great job bargain bin shopping this off season. Um, But next year, it's harder too because cousins cap hit goes up 10 million more. So it's 45 million next year. Um, 
And if you can't win a lot with this team, I don't see how you would get a better team than this with Cousins on the books. Because um, 35 mil... Extension. Give him an extension. (laughs) (laughs) We can't get done this year. We just need to cut bait with all three of those guys, honestly. We we cannot continue to put out these mediocre-ass teams. I mean, we built a decent team this year a bunch of one-year deals and we're not going to be able to do that next year because all these guys are going to want more money there's no way richardson's signing a deal for what two million next year there's no way breland's signing a deal for two million next year like all these p peterson i think we got him for nine right nine or ten he again that's overpay almost because he probably i don't know if he's worth that much but you know so we have all of these situations and i know raymond says restructure cousins we don't want to restructure cousins we don't need him here any longer than he's already been here well no, i mean like you can ask him to you can ask him to yeah that's fair like oh, you, wait, can, you can ask him to why? restructure or extend or whatever and we just shouldn't do that Right, and like, why would you want him here after this year if you're not gonna? Unless you go on a deep playoff run, then you re- reevaluate. But why would you want him here after this year if you can't go on a deep run? Because this is probably the best team he's had around him. And if he's gonna make up, take up more money next year, or if you extend him uh, and he makes around the same amount of this year or 2019, then like your peak is literally a divisional round playoff loss. Like, what, what's the point after that? Like, like, yeah, exactly. I don't, don't want to put like a a shadow over this Viking season, uh, but it's do or die. Like they are absolutely all in to your both of your points. Like a lot of guys on one year deals, it's going to be tough to bring them back after this year because they're not going to want to sign cheap one year deals again. Um, if you don't make the playoffs this year. Even if you do make the playoffs this year, it's going to be so hard to repeat. Um, and it's just, it's going to be tough. So I feel like this season, enjoy it as much as you can because before we start looking forward too much, uh, it, I feel like we're we're going to be due for some pretty bad seasons. Um, and potentially, you know, I, I hate saying this because we make fun of the Lions so much, but we might be wasting some of Justin Jefferson's prime no. years. Uh, right. I know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, and, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and I know that like some people in the comments here are probably not too happy with the take in terms of cutting bait with all three. Here's the thing is I think all of us would agree that we like Mike Zimmer, um, especially after this off season and kind of what he's done um, from a social aspect, as well as just, you know, I think he's done a good job coaching. It's not that he's a bad coach. It's that um, I, I feel like if we're not winning with a team like this, or if we're not winning with the team from, you know, 20, what was it, 2019 and 2018, like how are we going to win now? Those teams are so much better than this one. And, and, and what, we got a divisional playoff win and lost by 20 to the Niners after that, right? That That's all we've gotten since – um, since Cousins has been here. So, um, and that doesn't necessarily fall on Zimmer, but again, you have to place blame on somebody. And especially if we're getting rid of Spielman, which we, I probably would say he's, after Cousins, he's probably my next in line to go. 
that new GM is going to want a new coach anyway, his own coach, right? And there's some really talented coaches out there that were passed up this year, like uh, Duvall and uh, Biennemi and, um, you know, Brady. Um, yeah, Brady. And, and maybe even if if Brock's repeat, Leftwich is going to be a hot name. So, uh, and uh, Todd Bowles, their, if their defense dominates like they did in the Super Bowl. So, like, there's going to be some good coaching candidates out there that we may want to look at. And if we're just going to sit and repeat, rinse and repeat with Zimmer, again, I, I like Zimmer. I, I don't want him to lose his job, but we need results if we're going to, if he's going to keep his job, in my opinion. I might I have think- to go, oh, ahead. go ahead. I'll save my okay. comment right after yours. That sounds good. Um, I think so. I remember after the 2017 season, so it was a 2018, um, uh, during that combine, um, Zimmer had his like press conference and he was talking about how, because at this point, um, the big question was like, who's going to be your QB? And he was talking, he was like, um, if I make the wrong decision, I'll probably be fired. And I don't know if it's too soon to say, because I feel like. At the point in 2018, Kirk was the right choice, but I think the extension um, was the wrong move because I just don't think the playoffs can be our standard anymore. Like, win a playoff game, get an extension. Like, just not what we brought him here for. We brought him here to go deep in the playoffs. Maybe if we'd made the NFC Championship that year and lost again, but, like, an extension then would have had more merit than winning one playoff game. Um and same with this year, if we do make the playoffs, if we do beat the Super Bowl favorite in the wild card or whatever, um, but we lose in the next round, what's the point? Like, that shouldn't merit an extension. Um, I don't think, like, even for Cousins, um, I would rather just stick it out on a $45 million cap hit next year and just have a really shitty team and get a pretty high draft pick and go get yep. Quinn Ewers. Um or Bryce Young or somebody out the year after that, instead of trying to keep going all in on these like weird one year windows um, that really have no sustainable future for like any part of the team, because you're basically buying a good amount of your team, whether that be the defense or players on the offense. Um, And I think that it doesn't have to be like a Miami Dolphins kind of like tear everything down, sell everything kind of rebuild um, because they have a good core. This offensive line is young and has potential to be good. You have Justin Jefferson. I don't know how long running backs are going to last. So maybe you have Dalvin Cook, but that's a pretty replaceable position. Um, mm-hmm. You have Irv Smith. Um Maybe, yeah, you need a second or and third receiver. But offensively, other than quarterback, you have a lot of good pieces there for a rookie quarterback to step in and you can evaluate him. Defensively, you kind of have nothing, but um, maybe except Hunter because Kendricks is 30 in February as well. So um, defensively, it's a little kind of very bleak. Um, that being said, like, it's just – I felt like last year, or maybe even the year before, was just a really good time to just, like, take advantage and just kind of rebuild. Like, it doesn't have to be a long rebuild. You're not going to turn into the Browns or the Lions um, if you suck for a year or two. Because it, um, it won't be that long if they draft well or if they hit on a quarterback. Um, those are big ifs. And, like, that brings me to the other thing with Rick Spielman. I think he's had way too many chances with the quarterback. He had Teddy. 
and then he traded for Sam, and then he signed Kirk. Like, most GMs don't get more than one. Um, yeah. So, and his drafting has kind of sucked recently. Like, twenty, he's writing on 2015 at this point. That draft was amazing, but that's kind of all yeah. he has. So, um, I feel bad for Zim in a way. I mean, obviously, he has his faults as well, but he's kind of, like, tied to the hip with the other two, so he'll probably be gone. Um soon as well and I think he kind of knows it too because he's pretty blunt in his press conferences usually <laughs> but I feel like this year he just he's just done so it's pretty yeah cool. yeah um sculpture soup I, I wanted to get to that comment quick uh he asked about score predictions he's new to climb in the pocket uh viewing so uh Skulger soup if you stick around we'll get that right before we end the show um, and look at our producer Dave in there pumping the chat full of optimism. Uh, Dave, we appreciate that. Uh, as we put behind us, we're, we're done talking about offseason, what we could have done. It, it, it's all right now, right? We're three days away from, from the first game of the 2021 season. We're going to come up against the Bengals. Um, I know I sent you guys some show notes earlier to kind of talk about some matchups. Um, so let's get excited. Let's talk about this first game, which will undoubtedly be an ass whooping, uh, in my opinion. I don't think it's going to be close at all. I think all the stars are aligning for us to just go in there, kick some ass, get a win, and kind of walk out. Uh, feel a little bit more confident because this preseason has left everybody just kind of dreary, uh, you know, kind of dreading the worst case scenario. But there is there is a ton of reasons to be optimistic about this season. Um, we have some of the best receivers, one of the best talented units around Kirk Cousins since he's been here. Whether or not they're on one year deals, the defensive line and the defense itself is stacked. Um and so, so let's dive into that. Let's let's start first. Ryan, you go. Uh, we got the news that Trey Waynes is not going to get a revenge game against the Minnesota Vikings, right. and he might go down as one of the biggest busts uh, from a free agency perspective, saying he has yet to play a snap for the Bengals. But that leaves the DBs, aside from Jesse Bates, who was PFF's number one ranked safety a year ago, uh, that leaves the DBs for the Bengals going up against Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Yeah. I mean, obviously that should be a matchup that, uh, that we look at and say that should be a plus for us. Right. I mean, they have, I think, um, and, and Eli Apple starting, um, and then Mike Hilton, who's actually a really good slot corner, um, in, in um in the slot there so you know i i think that that will allow us to take advantage of some of these matchups right i mean Thielen and jefferson are some of the best route runners in the league um great at you know catching the ball through contact and uh in and definitely should be able to expose that um so i definitely am excited for that matchup alone um, and then from, if you flip it, though, they have a really, really good receiving core, right? T. Higgins was very strong as a rookie. Um, Tyler Boyd is consistent as can be. And and then obviously Jamar Chase hasn't shown much in the preseason outside of a lot of drops. But again, he was in, what, number fifth pick um, 
uh, this year for a reason. He's going to be a very good receiver still in this league, I, I believe. And uh, and so we're going to really test these one-year corners that we have, all three of them, um, and, and see how we can match up against uh, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, and, and those receivers. I think their offense is going to be pretty strong. So I'm not going to sit here and say it's going to be a blowout by any means, uh, but I definitely think that we do win this game. Um, and hopefully, hopefully without uh, giving me a heart attack. So um, quick to address R- Raymond's, uh, you know, he said that comment, he said that every Viking show he's seen has basically, we've already written off this season. I think this is actually our one year window where we have an opportunity. Um, so I'm not writing this season off by any means. I think we have an opportunity this season. I'm saying if we don't win this season, if we don't go deep this season and give people the reason to want to resign here and give Zim another shot. Um, we're, we're, that's where I, I have the, I guess, kind of pessimism um, is that we're, you know, if we don't produce this season, I think we're going to blow it up. So um, to just quick comment on that, because I saw that note and I don't want him thinking we're a bunch of negative Nancy's over here, just trying to dog the Vikings. We love the team. We think they're going to do well this year. We're excited about them this year. Um, we're going to cheer for him every game, of course. Um, and I think we do do well. Uh, we just have to stay healthy. Tanishka, are you excited to see Justin Jefferson again? Yes, I'm also very excited that he's completely off the injury report. Um, so don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, I think offensively, um, it's going to be fun. Uh like the corners for the Bengals, not good. Um, even if Trey Wayne's played, I wasn't that worried about that. Um, I think that even if they try to double Jefferson or Thielen or to get at least one of them out of the game, their linebackers aren't that great either with like Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson. So then you got Delvin Cooks. Um, I know that their D line up front, they got some good run stoppers. Um, but uh, that's like about it defensively like I'm not I feel like the Vikings should be able to put up points um I was worried about play calling in the preseason but it's the preseason so um I'll hold off judgment for that until Sunday um defensively I'm a bit worried I I saw um some stuff on Twitter today about people saying that Mixon was gonna get like of 150 yards from scrimmage or whatever. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not worried about the run game because I think the – kind of um, hope he does because I have him on, like, every fantasy team, so. <laughs> no. You're taking uh, a week run- one L with that, Ryan. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> the run defense is probably the strength of this defense, at least as of what we know right now. So I don't think that should be an issue. I'm very excited to see Daniil Hunter against Riley Reef. Um and I think our defensive line is going to give Burrow a lot of fits. Um, I noticed that they, the second round guard tackle that they drafted, Jackson Carmen, um, he's not even starting for them this year because he showed up out of shape to training camp or whatever. So um, their guards right now are Quinton Spain and Xavier Sufilo. So um, I think we win that matchup on the interior pretty easily, or that we should. Um and if Barr and Kendricks, if Barr is good to go, then um, the front seven should have a day. Um, secondary wise, uh, it's I think that they have three really good receivers. Um, if Jamar Chase can get hit once, he'll probably wake up and like 
remember how to play football. I think he's just scared to get hit at this point, which is why he's kind of rusty. Um, and Higgins and Boyd are both really good. So uh, it should be an interesting matchup for our corners because I'm still a little bit worried about the secondary, uh, especially Peterson. I'm excited to see him because I know that a lot of people are expecting a bounce back year from him. I'm still not sold that that's going to happen. I think I just have to see it. So um, that's probably the biggest thing I'm watching for on defense this week, question-wise, like corners, Peterson, Dancer, even Woods, I guess, because Woods is also expected to bounce back this year. So um, there's a lot of questions with the secondary right now. Um, So I'm also kind of just excited to see how they all gel because I think it's 10 new starters considering uh, what we had last year by like mid-season-ish or whatever. It's just Harrison Smith. So um, I'm excited. I think there's a lot of questions, but um, I feel like since I don't want to say that it's just the Bengals because whenever I say or think that we end up losing, but um, I think that that's like a good enough matchup where you can try things out and see – what works and what doesn't. So it should be a fun game. I think we win, but I also think that it's a little bit closer than it should be. You, yeah. you mentioned, yeah, yeah, um, you mentioned uh, the Riley reef, Daniil Hunter matchup. I think that's definitely one that, that I'm intrigued by as well. Daniil Hunter's first game coming back uh, from injury. Riley reef now switching back to the right side after playing left tackle for so long over here. Granted, he did play right tackle in Detroit before he came here. Um, the matchup that I'm looking at the most, though, um, is Trey Hendrickson versus Rashad Hill. Um, the Vikings, I mean, we had Doogie on the show back in, in March. Uh, he told us the Vikings were interested in Trey Hendrickson um, as well as you know some other defensive ends. Um, and I think they even made an offer. Uh, but we don't have Christian Darisau out there. Granted, he is practicing, uh, we heard today, but um, that's a matchup that, that could be exploited. Um, it's Cousins' left side or blind side, um, so it's going to be really important uh, for Ezra Cleveland to have a solid game to kind of help Rashad Hill out. Um, I'm not too concerned with their defensive tackles. I think one's uh, DJ Reed or the other Actually, one. I think they're... They're pretty good. I mean, I think that whole defensive line is solid. I don't think that there are huge names that people are, like, super, super excited about. But DJ Reader is one of the better run-stuffing nose tackles in the game. Um, I, I'm going to butcher his name, but Ogunjobi, I think is how you say it. He, he came from Cleveland, yeah. and he's a pretty solid three-tech. Like, again, he's not going to wreck the game or anything, but I think our center and guards are going to have a game with these guys uh, because yeah. I think that they're better than they're, – they're, they're, like, um, they're like what Limbaugh Joseph was when he came to us from New York Giants, or even Dalvin Tomlinson is to us now. Like, solid guys that went under the radar nationally, but they're solid, solid players. And then Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson are – you know, they can get after the passer and they're really good run stoppers. So, um, and then I think they even have um, a guy that I liked in the draft a lot, Cam Sample from Tulane, who almost just whooped uh, Oklahoma's butt this weekend. Um, and, and he's, and again, I think he's got some juice to him too. I haven't seen him play in preseason or anything, but I think our offensive line is going to have a good test. I don't think that this is the elite test. I mean, they're going to play much harder defensive lines, but it's not going to be a cakewalk this week for them. 
what I'm watching for the most and what they got their ass whipped on last year a bunch was stunts. And it was every single week they could not they could not handle when a team would 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 do a stunt on them and it led to so many sacks. Um so that's probably a big test that, that I'd like to see, especially on that right side of the line. Um I think O'Neill will, will will line up well against Hubbard. Um but when you got him and Reader, I don't know much about the the guy that came over from the Browns um that you mentioned. Though you, you said he was a good three tech, so I'll take oh, Joby. Yeah, 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 he's he's solid. So I think um yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I think Reader yeah, is good. more of a left stuffer, so I feel like he shouldn't be as much of a problem if our run-blocking offensive line picks up where they've been the last few years. But um, I think the Browns, the former Brown, um, not even going to try, the former Brown, He um, he's pretty good. I had him as like a kind of watch for before free agency. Um because he would have been like a cheaper um, starting quality player to grab. Um, and as for Hendrickson, I'm actually interested to watch him just like not even just versus us, but like throughout the season, because um, I was kind of like not completely on board when I heard the rumors back in March that we were like interested in him because um, a lot of his like sacks and pressures and stuff came off of what, uh, Cam Jordan did, and um, a lot of people weren't 100% sold on what he did. Um, it was a lot of cleanup stuff as well. I think it was. Are just you like calling him Ray Edwards 2.0? <laughs> no, I, I'm yeah. I, shit. No, um, I think the pressure rate just like it didn't match up with the sacks. So I'm interested to see how that works out this year. Um, I feel like the Bengals. Just in general, I don't know really. I really don't know what they were thinking when they let William Jackson and Carl Lawson go for two worst players with Awuzie and Hendrickson. Um, but and it's also like on the other side. I just remembered with Awuzie, he I know it doesn't matter much anymore, but uh, he did have his worst game of last season against the Vikings against Jefferson and Thielen. Um, I think he had like a PFF grade of 38 and he allowed like a 120 plus passer rating. And if he's going to be their number one guy on Sunday, um, if our offensive line can hold up long enough, um, we might just have to air it out, especially if their run defense is decent. Um, and with yeah. what Zimmer said with three receiver sets, especially if our tight end room is like this banged up right now with Conklin, not a hundred percent, even if that's precautionary, Herndon's still learning the playbook and the other two are just kind of there. Um, I think you would have – it's a big drop-off, I guess, because we use our tight ends a lot when it comes to run blocking. Um, so if they do end up going more three-receiver, because the receiver room's 100% now, um, if they do end up doing that more, I feel like this would be the game to do it um, because those corners are not good. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And just as a quick, uh, you know, I just went and looked at stats, 13 and a half sacks over the last three years as a starter for Cleveland uh, at the three tech. So for Ogunjobi. So again, it should be a good test for 
um, newly uh, named guard Oliudo and and then Ezra Cleveland, depending on which side he ends up lining up on, should be a, should be a good matchup. Uh, again, give us a little confidence going into uh, a couple of these next games where you know we have JJ Watt coming up and and Chandler Jones, and in a, in a couple of weeks we have some really tough defensive lines to go up. Against intro to see what we have in this offensive line yeah uh before we we, we kind of wrap up this show uh any final takeaways or or things you're looking forward to heading into uh the first game i guess i'm looking forward to kicking <laughs> i'm not sure if i'm like looking forward to are you it. actually yeah i was like, like is looking forward I, the correct uh, word choice. Yeah, I was watching out for it, I guess. Because um, we have our new punter holder now. I guess special teams in general, with like even the return, I'm actually kind of excited because uh, Smith Marset seemed pretty um, good in the return game in the preseason. So I'm excited to see him. Um, I I just want to see kicking. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm looking forward to it, but um, I, I'm still concerned about it. I know that uh, I know that Miles is a, ban- a big fan of Amir Smith Marset, and uh, when he was doing some kickoff returns in preseason, uh, he got a little giddy when when Smith Marset tried to put a move on somebody and and show that speed off. So I- I'm excited to see mm-hmm. that as well. Ryan, any anything that we didn't cover on your end that you want to talk about before we get to, to score predictions and closing this thing out? Yeah, I, honestly, I just want to, uh, you know, not any player specifically, but just the offense. I want to see how Clint Kubiak can uh, run this offense uh, play calling wise. I, I That's one of my biggest concerns I think I have for the team is point. we have a, a completely unknown offensive coordinator. Obviously, you know, he's going to use a lot of his, you know, father's principles um, in, in his in concepts and what he does. But, you know, it, it's a brand new, never seen before, you know, offense uh, that he's going to be running or at least play calling, I should say, that he's going to be running in. Uh, what we saw in preseason, obviously, was just a bland kind of, let's just kind of get these guys, you know, through the through the motions. But um, if it doesn't significantly improve from that, um, we had a very poor offense of showing those three preseason games. So um, I'm excited to see that because I think he's better than that. I think he um, does show a lot of, pot- or has a lot of potential, and hopefully we can realize that the year this season. Yeah, I think that's a that's a solid point to bring up, and I I agree with that. It'll be interesting to kind of watch watch the progression of, of game number one. Um, I'm sure there'll be some some pregame jitters and and, and game jitters for that matter uh, that he's going to have to fight through. So uh, I want to bring Dave out here for the the last segment here. Um, I was thinking about this as we uh, I want to do this every week. And I know the people like on Fox, you know, they kind of do like the score predictions or whatever, and they keep track of it. Maybe we can keep like a running tally or something like that. Yeah, Uh, we can we can keep like a running tally of uh, predictions, like who's going to win. Maybe we can give bonus points for scores. We'll we'll sort that stuff outside of the show. And then whoever we have on as a guest, whether it's Tanishka again or Miles or Phil Mackey or whoever comes on. Uh, they will be their own person. So we'll just have Matt, Ryan, Dave, and then guest. Um, and we'll see who uh, who's the best at the end of the season. Um, we'll figure out 
a prize or a punishment or whatever along the way. But I think that'll be fun to do. So I will start first uh, with my prediction for this Sunday. I said it before you guys started talking about it, so I feel like I have to stick to it. Uh, I said it would be a blowout. Uh, I'm going to go 31-10 Vikings. Wow. Okay. Um, I know. I, I After listening to you guys, I was going to pull it back, but I was like, no, I went full homer maybe a little bit too soon, um, and so I'm, I got to stick by it. So. Zimmer will it. love that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got 28-20 Vikings. That's too close Ooh. for me, Tanishka. It is too close. But hey, garbage time, maybe. Hopefully. Hey. Yeah. Um, hmm. 27-17. That seems Vikings, like a Vikings score. Yeah. 27-17. A couple field goals by Greg Joseph. Hopefully. And a couple misses, probably, too. Yeah. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> Dave, what I do you got here? Um, I usually don't do these because I'm bad at it, but I do believe the Vikings will win by at least two touchdowns. Uh, okay. Put the score probably around, uh, let's say, 31-17. Oh, so not far off of mine then. No. There you go. Look at, look at all these, got, these score predictions coming up in the chat. 24, 21, yeah, 27-9. 27-9, oh, wow. wow. Michael, Mike Zimmer would be happier than all get out if that's the score. Yeah, as would many fans. So, um, Yes. I, I always forget to do this. Dave even reminded me at the beginning of the show, and I, I still forgot. So before we close out, after we did predictions, Tanishka, is there anything you are working on uh, that you kind of want to pump here uh, I know, I know, you got some stuff out at zone coverage, and I think there's something else that I'm missing too. So, if you, I'm going to give you a quick 30 second, like, hurrah! You, you show off what you're doing. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm still writing at zone coverage, um, and then um, every uh, Monday and Friday, um, I there's this like let's play sports um, network youtube channel thing um with tim mcniff and some other people that are setting that up so i'll be joining that twice a week starting this week the 13th so yeah it's minnesota sports very very cool so people in the chat people listening whether it's thursday and you're listening on the podcast or you're still here tonight make sure to check out tanifka at those spots um, if you're not already, I know we got a new subscriber tonight with Skolger Soup, uh, but please follow along. It's going to be loaded with coverage here. Uh, we have tons of show, including a new one where you can catch me and Dave on Sunday right after the game uh, for CTP post-game show. And The uh, final score, baby. The final score. Is that what it's called? It's called it's the called final, final score? score. Mm-hmm. Let's go. <laughs> we'll I go know live. That. I'm be on it. Hopefully, right before the final whistle, no less. Oh, wow. You're really committing to me early, huh? Yes. <laughs> Hopefully, you'll we'll be sitting here on the computer, game on the TV, watching. I know. I know. It's going to be wild. So, um, Tanishka, Ryan, thanks for coming on. Dave, thanks for producing. Everybody in chat, 
Uh, you were lighting it up. I loved it. So come back next week for another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. Until then, uh, let's go get a W. Skull Vikes. Skull. And tomorrow night, catch the great Flip Mozzie and Eric Thompson of Daily Norseman for Viking Hot Takes. Skull, everybody. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.